Um, let me begin this morning by thanking you for um, your love, your cards, the letters that we've received, phone calls um, for my family and I um, during this time. David is still with us in, at, at the house, so um, keep him in your prayer. He might be going back next week. So uh, we just encourage your prayers. Uh, it's been helpful. We, we went through the funeral this week, uh, two funerals this week with, with, our, um, with Maya, and uh, we felt your prayers, believe me. Uh, it, was, it would not have been the same if you guys weren't praying. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And tonight we're finishing up our study in Nehemiah at 5 o'clock in the chapel. So I hope you'll come and be a part of that. It's been a very uh, interesting study. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about frogs. Well, today we're going to talk about bones. Dim bones, dim bones, dim dry bones. Uh, in the church, there's a lot of dim, dry bones. We have the tailbone Christian. Um, they just sit there, you know, you know that kind of Christian. They let everybody else do all the work of the ministry. Now, in our text, God is going to ask the, the prophet and say, can these bones live? We can ask the same thing about the tailbone Christian. And I say, uh, yeah, as long as they get off their tailbone. <laughs> then there's the finger bone Christian. You know, the finger bone Christian points out everybody else's fault. You know, they're always putting their finger in everybody else's business, not, not taking any responsibility for themselves. They blame everybody else for the circumstances that they find themselves in. Can these bones live? Yes, as soon as they see that they're reaping what they've sown. And then the jawbone Christian, you were waiting for that one, right? They run off at the mouth. They put their mouth in motion well before their brain is in gear, you know. They go around spreading gossip and intentionally causing trouble, stirring up strife. Can these bones live? Well, yeah. But first they got to snatch their tongue from the old devil and, and give it back to the Holy Spirit so that God can begin to use them. Then the hip bone Christian, they're, they're not a part of this church whatsoever. Hip bone Christian is one who just sits on their wallet when the offering plate goes by. Y'all are good givers, so we, we don't need to talk about them. Uh, but they can still live, they can live, those, those hip bone Christians, as soon as their wallets get converted like their heart, you know. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Then there's the dry bone Christian, whose Christian life is withered up because they're not in the word of God. They just need to get into the word of God, let the, the water of the word wash them and rejuvenate them. Then there's the wishbone Christian. Now, the wishbone Christian, remember when you were a kid, Thanksgiving and you got that wishbone and you were hoping you'd get to pull it and if you pulled the biggest part your wish got granted right well that's the way a lot of people go into their prayer life they go in there with a wish list God I wish I had this and I wish I had that now these the, the wishbone Christian can live when they realize that prayer is a relationship with God it, it's not a time to just go and ask for something it's a time of thanksgiving it's a time of praise a time of fellowship it's a time of worship then there's some good bone christians backbone christian they have some uh convictions they know what their convictions are and they they stand on them the backbone christian won't live to please the world they won't live to please others they are strictly here to please god and these bones are alive and they are working for the Lord. And then my favorite one is the knee-bone Christian. They're down on their knees. They're praying. They are just believing God. They know that much prayer means much power. 
Little prayer means little power. No prayer means no power. And these bones live as well because they're living a life of victory. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we read our text, Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, It's verses 1 through 14, and we're going to hear about them bones, them bones. Verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you. And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinew on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they lived and they stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. And we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy, say to them, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves Raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful truths out of your law. God, that you would speak to our hearts today as we begin this message. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, we all face impossible situations in our life. Things come into our life that that we just know we can't do anything about. We we watch the world events and, and we... We come to the conclusion there's no hope for our world. Maybe it's a relationship that has become irreparably damaged. And we say there is no hope. Could be the company that you work for and have worked there for years has has now decided to close the doors. and, And you're now of an age where you can't start over and you feel like there's no hope. Maybe it's depression that is just wrapped around you like a dark cloud. And you have that feeling that there is no hope. 
Beloved, no matter how hopeless you have felt in your life, I will promise you that you have never been more hopeless than the people of our text. And I do mean the bones in the valley, but I also mean the Israelites in captivity. The, today's scripture, uh, it, it talks about the most hopeless of cases. But here's the good news. In the most hopeless time of your life, God is at work. God is working out a good for you. Now, to understand the context of our text, we have to understand the Assyrians have already taken the northern kingdom of Israel into captivity. The Babylonians have now destroyed the southern kingdom of Judah. And that means Jerusalem is gone. The temple is gone. That, that where God met with his people, it's all destroyed. They've been in captivity now over 10 years. They are living like POWs. They're surviving in a foreign land. They're not allowed to go back to their house. They have no hope. They are like those dead bones. Now, had you asked me, can these bones live? If, as we stood in a valley of dry bones, you said, can these bones live? I'm going to say, no. Scientifically, no. It's just impossible. It doesn't happen. There was no hope in that valley of dry bones. And then God gives his prophet a vision. This, the scene is this valley. It must have been a battlefield. There were bodies laying everywhere. Well, not bodies. There were bones laying everywhere, skeletons. Uh, verse 2 says that they were very dry. I talked to a preacher friend of mine who was out in Death Valley one time, and he saw one of those, uh, like you see in the pictures of cattle, a head of a cattle, the horns and everything, and, and it was just bleached white from the sun, and he went to pick it up. He was going to take it home as a souvenir, and as he touched it, it just crumbled. That's how dry it was. That's what these bones are. They were, they were very dry. These bones have been dead a very long time. All hope was gone. In verse 11, God says the bones represent Israel. Talking about what he hears their prayers. They're in captivity. They're saying our bones are dried up. We have no hope. We are cut off. We never expect to see our homeland again. But God says differently. And, 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 and as he brings the, the bones back to life, and as he fills them with his breath, his spirit, he says to the nation of Israel, I'm going to do the same for you. Ezekiel's vision was first and foremost for the nation of Israel. But beloved, there is a message in this text for us, for believers everywhere. Because all of us have had moments where we have felt that all hope is lost. I mean, we've had a bad day, a bad week, a bad month. We've had a bad several years, haven't we, as a, as a nation. Some people are ready to throw in the towel. They don't want to try anymore. But God is telling us today, it's not over till I say it's over. And I'll tell you when it's over. When you see him face to face, this life is over. Now you get to enjoy the rest of your life with him. So I'm going to share with you some principles about what to do when there is no hope. And the first one is so important. Do not limit God for what he can do. Do not limit God what he can do. 
In verse 3, he said, Son of man, can these bones live? And he answered, said, Oh, Lord God, you know. Where you and I might say no to that question, the, the prophet says, God, you know. See, we, we feel boxed in by circumstances. We allow our circumstances to dictate how we're going to feel, how we're going to act, what we're going to do. And we see no way out of that. And we may not say it out loud, but we think that God is limited in the same way that we're limited when we get into some bind in our life. And these bones have been dead for many, many years. They're very dry. We say there's no way that they're going to live again. But the, the, the man of God says, Sovereign Lord, Lord God, you know. Sovereign Lord, Lord God, when he said Lord God, he said, God, you're in control. You're in charge. No circumstances is based on what we see today. It's based upon what you do, what you think. The nature of a miracle is that it breaks the rules of nature. Supernatural means above nature. When Jesus brought Lazarus out of the grave, he was there four days. You read that in your scripture, right? He was there for four days. Uh, that four-day period is very important. The Israelites believed that for the first three days, the spirit can hover over a person. And, and they can be resuscitated in that period of time. But when the fourth day dawns, it's over. The, dead is dead. You cannot be resuscitated. Death is final. So the story of Lazarus being risen from the dead, it, it comes just a week before Jesus is also going to go in, into the grave and, and he's going to be crucified. And Jesus is saying death is not the end. He goes, I'm, I'm showing you this today so that you'll know what's going to happen next week. Beloved, we have to know and understand that God is not limited by what we think. He is, he is not limited by anything. The second principle I want us to understand is that we need to speak life into the lives of others. We as Christians have a duty, a responsibility to see those who feel like they have no hope. We need to see people who are hurting. And we need to go to them and, and bring comfort to them, comfort of the scripture, comfort of prayer. You've done that with my family this week. We need to do that with all people. You see, after Ezekiel correctly summarized that God alone knows the answer to whether these bones can live, God gets Ezekiel personally involved in the miracle. In verse 4, God says to Ezekiel, prophet, he says prophesy, that means preach, it means talk to, tell these bones and say to them, dry bones hear the word of the Lord. And this could be the most discouraging congregation that has ever hit the planet right here. You know, I, I've been into some churches that were kind of dry, uh, not a single amen in the, the whole the whole time I preached there, but nobody's ever preached to a church like this. Dead, dry bones. But Ezekiel begins to preach. And, and, and life begins to return 
to that group of bones. Now, as I thought about this story, I wondered if God wanted us, like Ezekiel, to speak life to dry bones. You know that Christian who isn't coming to church anymore, hasn't come to church for years. You know that person that has been discouraged and, and, and they're just sitting there navel-gazing, you know? You know what navel-gazing is? Oh, my tie's crooked. That's what navel... You know, they're just pouting. They're hurting. Maybe, maybe God is wanting us to go and to speak life into them, the, the life of the Word of God. Give them who have no hope, hope. What if God is whispering to your soul, prophesy to them, tell them that not all is not lost. Tell them I'm not done with their situation. Tell them as long as they come to me, they can have hope. What if God chose to draw us like Ezekiel into the miracle? Think again about Lazarus. When Jesus finally came to town four days later, he, he goes right to Mary and Martha's house and he says, show me where you've laid him. Take me there. Come on, let's go. Show me where he is. Then at the tomb, he tells another group, take away the stone. And then when Lazarus comes forth, there's another group. He says, now, now remove the grave cloths. You know what Jesus was doing? He was getting everybody involved in the miracle. I want you up front and personally involved in what I'm going to do. Listen to me, First Baptist Church, Madisonville. God wants you involved in what he is about to do. He wants you to, to spread hope, encouragement, to, to speak life into people through the word of God. Thirdly, we need to, in a hopeless situation, we need to allow God's Holy Spirit to fill you. Now, I'm going to read the, the verse 9 uh, in, in um, the King James Version. It's going to be in the ESV on the screen. But I want you to look for any differences in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind... Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe unto these slain that they may live. Did you catch the difference? You see, there's an interchange of the word wind for breath. Now, in the Hebrew, the word for breath can mean wind, breath, and it can also mean spirit. It's the same word. Down in verse 14, God says, I'll put my spirit in you, my breath in you. <laughs> I'm excited about this. You're not yet. Uh, it's 830. You might not get that excited about it until about noon today when you think about this message. But Ezekiel is using this play on words as he describes the wind that comes in. It is symbolic of God's breath. What we call the Holy Spirit. Beloved, we have, are nothing without the Holy Spirit. We're, we're like a body that's not alive. Kyle Yates had uh, in, in his uh, little thing on Facebook, he said these were zombies. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what we are without the Holy Spirit. We're the walking dead. 
But when the Holy Spirit comes in, we are given life. The dry bones in Ezekiel's visions become fully functioning human bodies. They have muscle, they have tendon, they have tissue, they have skin. They are, the bones are connected, yet it's not enough. They still need God's spirit within them. Kind of reminds me of what happened in the garden when God formed man out of the earth. It wasn't until God breathed a breath of life into him that he became fully alive. And God says in verse 9, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And God's breath comes into them and they become fully alive. Only when God's spirit comes into us that we discover what it means to be fully alive. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that life more abundantly is a spirit-filled life. He wants us to be filled with the spirit that happens at salvation. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are filled with the spirit. You have his presence. You have his person in you. And, and the Holy Spirit is what gives you life. The Holy Spirit gives you purpose. When you submit to God's will, he'll lead you. It's like the old hymn we used to sing, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Allow God's Holy Spirit to fill you. And finally this morning, if we're going to see hope in a hopeless situation, we need to learn to give God the glory. God tells the people that he is going to take them home. Verse 14, I will put my spirit within you and you will live and I will place you in your own land. Now you've that been coming to our Sunday night study. That's a spoiler alert, isn't it? Uh, in Nehemiah, the people are already coming home, but it's fulfilled. God, God made the promise, and God kept that promise. He brought his people home. And he goes on to say in that verse 14, Then you shall know that I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. When God moves into our circumstances, and he replaces the hopelessness of that time with the hopefulness we need to give God the glory because we know that he's the only one that could do it. We need to let people know that God is working in our lives. Don't be bashful about bragging on God. When I was first called into the ministry and I, I was just going to school and, and preaching where I could, I would go to work, my full-time job, secular job, and I would talk to everybody just like they were church members. Oh, we had such a wonderful meeting last night. We had three people get saved. We're going to have a baptism this night. They looked at me like, are you crazy? But I, I wanted to brag on God. God was the one who was doing it. We need to let the people around us know what God is doing in our life. We need to give him the glory. That'll keep us from getting the big head. Because God is our hope. I, I, I have hope in nothing else but Jesus Christ. I love the verse in Jeremiah 29, 11. You, you know it. You have it probably in your home somewhere. For I know the plans I have for you, said the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. 
When I read that, it, it just tells me disappointments are inevitable in life. We're, we're going to have times where the rug is pulled out from under us, but discouragement is a choice. You can look at your circumstances and be discouraged if you want to. It's okay. You're not going to have a very happy life because not only is discouragement a choice, hope is a choice. Happiness is a choice. Love is a choice. Joy is a choice. And you've just got to decide if you're going to continue to wallow in your circumstances or are you going to live in the presence of God joyfully. In a spiritual sense, you know, we are a lot like these lost Israelites that are in our text today. We, we are refugees living in a place that is not our home. When we become a Christian, when, when we invite Jesus into our life, make him Lord of our life, we become foreigners in a foreign land. You become a member of God's family. Your citizenship now is in heaven. This world with all of its violence and sickness and disease, it's just a playground for Satan. But someday, God says, I'm going to take you home. I'm going to give you a new home. And he's going to usher in a new heaven, a new earth. And our ultimate source of hope is to hang on. Hang on to what God has promised to us. Hang on to his word. Because most certainly he's going to bring us home one day. Just like he did the Israelites. I hope that we're able to say like Peter did in 1 Peter verse, chapter 1 verse 3. He said, praise be to God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have hope today because we're a child of God. We have hope today because we're filled with his spirit. We are living this day with God living in our life. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, you're the one who raised Jesus from the dead. And we acknowledge that you can bring hope even out of death itself. Help us in our lowest moments of hopelessness, hopelessness to turn to you and to know your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We, we sit here today in, in our disappointments and our discouragements. And we don't know to turn left or right. But help us just to turn up. Look to you as the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus, I pray that you administer your word to these, your people, who hear it. And that they would be able to find hope, even in a hopeless situation knowing that you're going to be the one to bring good out of the problem. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. And if you're here today and you're looking...